According to African oral and European written history records, Queen Nzinga was a strong, charismatic and shrewd leader who would not acquiesce to the European colonists. She ruled during a period of rapid growth in the African slave trade and at a time when the Portuguese were concentrating their efforts towards southwest Africa in attempts to circumvent the British and French holdings. The presence of the Portuguese clearly threatened the independent kingdoms of present-day Angola. Queen Nzinga came to power after the death of her brother, despite many opposed to the fact that she was a woman. During her reign of 37 years, she remained relentless and ruthless in maintaining independence from the Portuguese. Nzinga fearlessly and cleverly fought for the freedom of her kingdom against the Portuguese using armed combat when necessary and striking up alliances when it was more advantageous. We are in the kingdom of Ndongo, and according to the Gregorian calendar, it's the year 1571. The area has been at war for over 10 years. Multiple conflicts with the Portuguese have arisen. At first, the Portuguese had focused their colonization effort on the port cities as part of the Atlantic slave trade and their consolidation of power in the region. But now, Sebastian, King of Portugal, has ordered the subjugation of Ndongo. The Imbangala, young nomadic warriors, enemies of Ndongo, have joined forces with the Portuguese. The Imbangala want to seize Ndongo land, and the Portuguese want to claim slaves out of this crisis. The king has tried a variety of methods to improve the situation, including diplomacy, negotiations and open warfare, but to no avail. And this is where our story begins, with a girl child born into the royal family of Ndongo. She is the daughter of Ngola Kilombo, king of Ndongo, and Kangela Kankombe king's favorite concubine. I can hear the child. Why can't I go in? Oh, great king. The birth process has been very difficult for our queen, Kangela. It is a kunjinga matter. The cord was wrapped around the child's neck. Is it a son? No, your majesty. It's a girl child. Then we will call her Nzinga. Yes, Your Majesty, she will grow to become powerful and dignified. Thus, Princess Nzinga is born. She had two sisters, Mukumbu and Kifunji. She also had a brother, Mbandi Kilowanji. Nzinga grew to be greatly favored by her father. 
Since she was not considered a potential heir to the throne, like all the king's sons, she was not seen as direct competition. So the king could lavish all his attention upon her. Unzinga, my child. Yes, father. You are now ten years old. I want you to come to the military training with me. See how we fight and defend our borders. Yes, father. It is an honor. From that day on, Nzinga was trained as a warrior to fight alongside her father. She participated in many official and governance duties with him, including important rituals. When her father decided to allow her to be taught Portuguese by visiting missionaries, she also learned to read and write in their language. Her brother warned her to be careful, though, to be careful of the Portuguese. He said, they can be very treacherous. It is 1617. Ngola Kilombo, king of the Indongo, has died. It is his son, Nzinga's brother, who is now Ngola Mbandi Kilwanji. He is the one who comes to power. But Mbandi feels paranoid. Nzinga is a powerful and intelligent military commander. She is wise. She lives up to the name her father gave her. She can handle the affairs of the state and is revered by some of the people. She carries her father's legacy in all she does. Mbandi fears that one day, Nzinga's only son, who is just a baby, will be trained by her and plot to have him assassinated. Mbandi orders the boy to be executed. He forcibly has Nzinga sterilized to prevent her rise to power. Fearing for her life, Nzinga flees to the kingdom of Matamba, where she seeks refuge. A few years pass, during which Nzinga hears reports of the famine and terror that is ravaging her home. In 1621, her brother sends a delegation to ask for her to return. He does not ask for forgiveness but promises to make her his ambassador to the Portuguese, a high office. Inzinga, do not go. Isn't this your brother, the murderer? Who knows what he's plotting now? He needs my help. I know he's failing to defeat the Portuguese. I was the one who trained to negotiate with them. I saw my father do it. I speak, read and write their language. I can negotiate and draw out a treaty. And so, Nzinga agreed to meet and negotiate with the Portuguese governor. She arrived in Luanda in her royal attire. While Ndongo leaders typically met the Portuguese in Western clothing, she chose to wear the opulent traditional clothing of the Ndongo people in order to display that their culture is not inferior. When Nzinga arrived, there were chairs for the Portuguese individuals, but only a mat provided for her a gesture reserved for conquered Africans. Nzinga, fully aware of this, still asked, 
not provide a chair for me? No. That is reserved for my equals. You are not my equal, said the governor. Nzinga, the dignified woman of royal lineage, who speaks and writes several languages, who fights alongside the men in her kingdom's army, who is the king's appointed ambassador to the Portuguese, claps her hands and one of her soldiers immediately knelt down on all fours and presented himself to her as a living throne. She regally sat upon him and began to speak to the governor face to face. Nzinga was shrewd, so she started by flattering the Portuguese governor, who was arrogant and proud, and then she reminded him of the benefits of a treaty with her people. You have been at war with us for years, since before I was even born and my father was even king. Even with the help of rebel Ndongo leaders and our kingdom's enemies, you have not succeeded. Surely your king expects results by now. Wars cost so much money and so many lives. Look, our demands are few but legitimate. They are advantageous for both our kingdoms. Nzinga the smart and fierce negotiator. She was able to reach an agreement with the Portuguese, which entailed the withdrawal of Portuguese troops from Ndongo and recognition of its sovereignty. She was also able to ensure that Ndongo did not need to pay tributes. She did this by successfully arguing that the kingdom was an independent one rather than a conquered state. In return, she agreed to open trade routes to the Portuguese as well as study Christianity and become baptised. Small price to pay, but the governor agreed. Consequently, Nzinga was baptised in Luanda. She adopted the name Dona Ana de Sousa. Nzinga stayed in Luanda to ensure the treaty was respected. But following the negotiations, peace between Ndongo and Imbangala collapsed completely. Completely. The Ndongo people were driven out of their court in Kabasa, which made the king, Nzinga's brother, officially in exile. The Portuguese did not want to proceed with the treaty if the king was in exile and unbaptized. As a result, the Portuguese never honored the treaty. Instead, they continued to raid the kingdom, taking Africans as captives and precious items in the process. In 1624, her brother died of mysterious causes. Before his death, he had made it clear that Nzinga should be his successor. An opulent funeral was arranged, and some of his remains were preserved in a misete, so they could later be consulted by Nzinga. After the death of Angola Mbande, The Portuguese declared full open war again on Ndongo as well as other nearby tribes. Nzinga was due to be queen but had a rival, an Ndongo man called Hari, who was opposed to a woman ruling. Hari swore vassalage to the Portuguese. With the help of the Kasenje kingdom and the Ndongo nobility who opposed Nzinga, she was removed from Luanda. Nziga then fled to Matamba once more, but this time she kidnapped the reigning queen and took over the army.
From there, she made herself queen and took control of the kingdom. Then she returned to Ndongo. She was ready to argue her claim to the throne and fight for it. This woman would have us believe that she has a claim to the throne. However, neither Ndinga nor her predecessor brother have a direct right to the throne because they are actually children of slave wives, not the first wife. That is true. My mother, she was my father's favorite concubine, but not his first wife. However, I am a descendant of the king nonetheless. He trained me in the military and all the affairs of the kingdom. He appointed my brother as a rightful heir and my brother appointed me. Which one of you is a descendant of royalty as I am? Which one of you was raised and trained by the king? Which one of you has he asked to join him in all meetings and rituals? Which one of you has he asked counsel from? And most importantly, which one of you has been appointed by a reigning monarch? as a successor. Nzinga argued powerfully, leaving her opponents to try and discredit her solely on the basis of the fact that she was a woman, a female and thus ineligible. Unfortunately, they succeeded. Many years passed during which much happened and Queen Nzinga finally made it to the throne. On November 24, 1657, the Portuguese decided to give up their claims to Ndongo and the land was returned to its traditional leaders through a treaty ratified in Lisbon by King Pedro VI. After the wars with Portugal ended, Queen Zinga attempted to rebuild her nation, which had been seriously damaged by years of conflict and over-farming. She developed Matemba, as a trading power by capitalizing on its strategic position as the gateway to the central African interior. She inserted language in the treaty that bound Portugal to assist her family to retain power. She devoted her efforts to resettling former slaves and allowing women to bear children. Despite numerous efforts to dethrone her by the Imbangalas and the many attempts by the Portuguese to kill her, Nzinga died a reigning monarch and died a peaceful death at the sweet old age of 82 on December the 17th, 1663 in Matamba. It's been interesting to uh, find out about Queen Nzinga. I must admit, I didn't know about her before. Um, Black History Month in October, the school decided to have several different projects and several different people to research, depending on what class you were in. And um, we, in my class, were given Queen Ya Sentewa. And um, I noticed that there were other queens that were being mentioned, and Queen Zinga was one of them. And so I looked into it a little bit, and I was like, oh wow, military genius, awesome. 
but in doing this podcast about her and reading so many different accounts and so many different legends and obviously editing the story a little bit to make it a bit more dramatized I fell in love with her <laughs> I fell in love with her tenacity and her gift of the gab the ability to debate to argue to make her point known but also being clever in, in you know flattering who, who she needs to flatter and use the right words etc putting her kingdom first she suffered personal tragedies but um, that doesn't seem to have impeded her and um, I, I enjoyed reading and finding out about her I really did for over 30 years she kept her people free uh-huh. Legend even has it that her grateful subjects treasured her crown long after she died. She must have been loved by quite a few people, maybe not all, especially those who were trying to dethrone her or refuse for her to even reach the throne. Um, she had a couple of mishaps. Uh, I didn't like the whole kidnapping the queen of Matamba thing. I was like, come on, girl power. But at the same time, in, during military times, I think everybody does things they're probably not too proud of. So yeah, this has been our story for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you go and find out a little bit more about Queen Nzinga of Angola, the people of Angola themselves, their language, their culture, and that you um, diversify your knowledge of history. Alright, have a really good week. Bye. And Moses, a.k.a. Moise of 7ST, I have not forgotten you. This episode is indeed dedicated to you. Uh, Keep going. Keep finding out more about African folktales and legends.